Good morning. So it's, it's almost Christmas. Who's excited? Me. Ah, four of us. <laughs> I must confess that I don't really get excited for Christmas. Um, I'm not a Scrooge. I just don't get excited about anything, really. Uh, <laughs> and Christmas isn't really an exception. But there is, there is a, a comforting familiarity to Christmas. I very much appreciate that. I do love the familiarity. I wonder if there are any actual Scrooges. I did see that Jonathan, the drummer's T-shirt, oh, losing that, says Bar Humbug on it, which, of course, is the... Uh, Jesse, are you a Scrooge? Oh, yes. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, Jesse, Jesse would be Scrooge, yeah. Hmm, yeah. But I'm also aware that for some of us here, the Christmas season is something quite painful this year. It's going to be a bit tough. Um, but however we feel about this Christmas season, its festivities and celebrations... I think that God wants to encourage us this morning, to encourage us that he is higher and that he is bigger than all of our circumstances, and that he wants to reveal himself to us in greater depths. And so today, as we continue in our series through Advent, following on from the stories of Zechariah and Mary, which you can find and should find on the church website if you miss them, we're going to consider the story of the shepherds. And as we do so, there are going to be three points I'm going to draw out this morning, and they all begin with R, or almost begin with R. The first point is that the birth of Jesus should be really unexpected. See what I did there? Yeah, that's good. Secondly, God's revelation that through the unexpected nature of Christmas, we can learn something new about how we approach getting to know God. And then thirdly, our response to God's revelation in Jesus. What the story of the shepherd tells us about how we should respond to what God reveals. So, let's read the story again. To remind you of the context, Mary and Joseph have gone to Bethlehem in order to fill out a census for the Romans who at that time controlled the Jewish nation. On their arrival, there's nowhere to stay, and so they've ended up in a stable where Mary gives birth to the baby Jesus. Our reading this morning follows on immediately from Jesus' birth, and the passage is Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. The text will be on the screen, uh, but if you have your Bible, paper or electronic, please find it that way. That's Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Brilliant. Please keep your Bibles open if you've got them, as we will refer back to the passage. Um, but firstly, I'd like us to step back a little bit and think about the Christmas story on a big picture level. We're probably pretty familiar with uh, 
angels and shepherds, the inn, the sheep, kings, virgin birth, star and all of that lot. But I want to just think for a minute about what feels really familiar to us should feel completely, amazingly unexpected. And we're going to start thinking about this with the help of a video as it explains the basis of what I want to say brilliantly. Um, and it also even makes me, the unexcitable me, slightly Christmassy and a little bit excited. So if this works, hopefully we're going to have a video for a few minutes. Uh, enjoy. On the haven's balcony one day, shaking his head at all the wrong things people were doing down on earth. That's oh God. Man. It's fine. This isn't quite what I had in mind when I created it. Oh, brilliant. Have you ever wondered what we might see if we could pull back the curtain of time to that very first Christmas? If we could, I imagine the story began in heaven, something like this. God was looking over the heaven's balcony one day, shaking his head at all the wrong things people were doing down on earth. Oh man, this isn't quite what I had in mind when I created Earth. I feel so far away from my kids down there. Why? It's just hard to be friends with people when you don't like what they're doing. I think it's time. Time for what, Lord? Time for us to step in. Shall we read as a yummy, Lord? Can't you sing the lesson? No, I don't think we should send an army. Maybe it's just one person. What person? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! <laughs> Lord, we're sending just one person. Love to be someone very powerful and very strong. Because there's tons of people down there. No, they don't have to be strong. They'll be going as a newborn baby. A newborn baby? baby? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! Lord, this plan is rather risky. A newborn human baby is small and weak. This baby must be born to people who will protect him. Maybe a great ruler or mighty king? Actually, I was thinking I could send him to a young peasant girl whose heart is beautiful and full of courage. A peasant girl? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! <laughs> My lord, I see you're planning to take Earth by surprise. No one will be expecting a newborn baby born to a humble villager. But what good can a baby do? This will not just be any baby. I'm sending in the Prince of Heaven in disguise. The Prince of Heaven? Our Prince? Your son? <laughs> this is too risky. Sending the Prince in disguise is a tiny baby, born not to kings, but to humble villagers. Surely our Prince cannot be born in a cottage. He must be born in a palace. You're right, he shouldn't be born in a cottage. Phew. He'll be born in a stable. A stable surrounded by animals who will hide, filled with poop. Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! <laughs> Lord, how will all people know he's there? What if they don't notice? Those who are looking will find him. And his mission will bring all people closer to me, even if they do something really wrong. When the prince is done, nothing will get between them and my love. Can we leave some clues for the people looking? Like in the stars? Clues in the stars? Sure, why not? We can make one huge one that points to him. 
sing for him? Yes, can we sing? Sing to welcome him. Please say we can sing. God looked at their hopeful faces and his heart was touched by their love for the fence. All right, you can sing. Yay! But not in front of the whole world. That would just be weird. And no kings or rulers. How about we sing for some shepherds? That's a lonely job. Those blokes could do with some cheering up. Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. You know the rest of the story. An angel visited a humble girl with a courageous heart and told her the good news. She will have a baby and he will be the Prince of Heaven who would help Earth to be close to God again. As planned, the baby was born in a stable about as far from a palace as you can get. A group of wise men noticed some strange clues in the stars. They packed their balloons and followed the star right to a baby. And of course, a bunch of lonely shepherds were guiding their sheep when all of a sudden the sky was lit up by a thousand of angels singing. Nobody would ever expect that. And then they put this slightly dodgy song at the end. But other than that, it's such a lovely video. Yeah. I hope everyone can understand the brilliant New Zealand accents. Um, also, slightly amusingly, this church is called St Paul's, and the name of their video sort of branch that they have is St Paul's Arts and Kids, or as they put it at the end of the video, Spank Media. <laughs> Interesting choice. I don't know why I told you that either, but anyway. Um, <laughs> if you're particularly taken by the video, it's on YouTube, and it's entitled An Unexpected Christmas. There's no evidence that a conversation like that took place in heaven, but it so well makes the point of the unexpected Christmas. God's plan for this world centers on sending his own son as a baby to be born to a humble girl in a stable. If you or I were in God's shoes, we'd probably find ourselves saying something like what the angels in the video said, that it should be a mighty warrior, the armies of heaven should go with him, that he shouldn't be born in a stable. And yet, thankfully, we aren't in God's shoes. On the level of the Jewish society, too, Jesus' birth is unexpected. The Jews were expecting a Messiah, a saviour to come, but they were waiting for someone to overthrow the Romans and restore the greatness of their nation. They were not picturing the man whom Jesus became, nor the things which he went on to do. On the largest and most fundamental levels, the Christmas story is really unexpected. Back in the passage, too, it's also unexpected for the shepherds. Put yourself in their shoes for a minute. You are a shepherd. Your job is to make sure that your sheep are healthy, to ward off predators and generally look out for their welfare. Because of your constant proximity to sheep, you smell really bad. You spend most of your life on the edges of society. You aren't very important. And you've spent many a chilly night under the stars keeping watch of the flock. But on one ordinary night, an angelic chorus appears that's just so beyond the ordinary, it's so extraordinary, that I, for one, would not know how to, uh, to process it. Nor do I think I'd ever forget it. Not only this, but why would the shepherds think that they were the people to be told first about the news of God's saviour coming to the world? 
Why would they think that God would share the news that he had sent his son as a saviour with them first? And yet God did choose to share it with them. And we're going to think about that a little bit about why that might be later. But for now, let's just marvel at how ludicrously unexpected this event would have been for the shepherds. And for ourselves, on the most personal level, the birth of Jesus the Saviour has unexpected implications. The Bible tells us that it's because of Adam's sin, the wrong actions of man, that we are, that we are separated from God. All our worldly reason would dictate that because we're the ones to blame, we should make things right with God, not vice versa. And yet at Christmas, we remember that God took on human form, the form of a baby, so that he could come to know us. In the famous story of the prodigal son, the father comes running towards his lost child. And Jesus' birth shows us that God the Father runs towards us. He wants to set things right between us and him and restore things to how he created them to be. We don't have to do anything to make things right with him. He did everything necessary. We simply need to put our trust in him and turn our lives towards him. We know what is coming in the Christmas story. The stories are familiar, but we need not to lose their wonder. I know so often that I can read the Bible and skim through it, not waiting for it to teach me and to speak to me, not waiting for the wonder to come of the things that God is doing, things that really I should not be expecting. And I'm never guiltier of this than at Christmas. And yet this story, as familiar as it is, is full of wonder. It's full of unexpected blessings. The wonder of God's amazing plan, which goes against what we should expect on almost every level. I think that this Christmas we need to ask God for new eyes to see these passages. Eyes which see past the familiar to the wonder of God and what he has done. The Christmas story is as rich as the God who is its author. And the story of Jesus is unexpected in how it played out. The humblest of births. How it subverted the expectations of the Jews. How it surprised the shepherds. And how it demonstrates God's longing for us against all worldly reason. Christmas really is unexpected. But I think there's a larger point about the nature of who God is and how we know him that we should think about here. And so we're going to take a small aside from the passage, uh, and this is going to be the second point this morning, revelation. As we've discussed regarding the Christmas story, God's plan in the person of Jesus was not necessarily what we might expect. And we need to learn to accept what God says of himself in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, which are going to appear on the screens. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is not acting in an unexpected way through the Christmas story because he wants to surprise us, rather because his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. As we approach God, and as we approach the Bible to learn about who he is, we need to remember that he is higher in thoughts and in actions. Therefore, he doesn't move in ways uh, that, we won't, that, that we expect, because he is higher than us. It doesn't mean we should expect him to move ways contrary to the picture of God we see in the Bible. Far from it. But it does mean that we have to accept that there is more of God to see and to know. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, that we now see dimly in a mirror, but then, when God brings his work to completion, we will see in full. That now we know only in part, 
but then we will know fully. We haven't understood everything about God, his character and how he acts. We can't. And God's character is not something we can get to the end of knowing, at least in this life. Whether we get to know him in creation, through study, through prayer, solitude, service, worship, however works best for you, there'll always be more to see and to know. And through the Bible too, the Bible isn't a book that we can finish reading. There's more to see. God is higher, and we don't see him and understand him fully. Now, the truth of God being higher offers both a challenge and a few encouragements. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus wasn't the saviour which the Jews were expecting. They wanted someone to overthrow the Romans and put an end to their captivity, to set the Jewish nation back to its past greatness. And when Jesus started his his public work, as the Gospels recount, it was clear that he wasn't going to do what the authorities wanted or expected. In fact, as we read the Gospels, we see that they completely rejected Jesus to the point of killing him on a cross. These people knew the Jewish scriptures, scriptures which now make up our Old Testaments and which we see pointed to the person of Jesus, and yet they missed the point. They couldn't see that Jesus was who they'd been waiting for and what the prophets had prophesied. Yet that is precisely what he was. Jesus was God's plan. I wonder how often we can be like the Jewish religious authorities, how often we pray for something and expect God to do some particular action in response, how often we expect him to fit neatly within the parameters which we have drawn for him. The story of Christmas reminds us in no uncertain terms that God's thoughts and ways are higher than ours. The challenge is not to be like the Jewish religious authorities, to think that we have a monopoly on religion, to put God in a box. Instead, we need to take God out of our boxes. Each time we come to see him afresh, we need to expect to see him in new ways, in more and more of his fullness. And that's the challenge, not allowing God to be put in a box, for us to miss the more which God has for us. But God being higher also brings encouragements. And this morning, I want to bring out just one thought. God being higher means that the life of a follower of Jesus is one of the continual discovery of the depths of his character, the depths of his love, his mercy, his holiness, his justice, his peace, his kindness, his grace, and his presence. And this alone should encourage us, the continual journey of getting to know each of those brilliant things in more and more of their fullness and their truth. Knowing God brings us to life. But I think there's more encouragement as we think about how that transforms the way we live. Brennan Manning, a renowned Christian author, best known for his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, states the following in his book, The Wisdom of Tenderness. Every change in the quality of a person's life must grow out of a change in his or her vision of reality. Jesus' person and teaching shape our understanding of God, the world, other people, and ourselves. This shaping exercises a decisive influence on the Christian's lifestyle. The way that we view reality changes how we live. I'll say that again. The way that we view reality changes how we live. The more fully we know the reality of God's love, mercy, grace, holiness, peace, kindness the more fully we will live in the light of them. I love walking in the mountains. I was born just near the Lake District down in England. 
But when it's a grey day and the clouds have covered the view, it's hard to keep remembering that from time to time the cloud will break and a view will appear beyond the grey. But when I see just one view, when the clouds break and there's a bit of a view and there's the, the green of the valley below, it transforms the rest of the walk. I walk the rest of the walk expecting to see the view, expecting to see something new. The knowledge of how things are beyond the cloud keeps my head up and looking beyond the momentary grey. Our perception of reality changes the way we live. And I wonder if some of us feel like we're walking in the grey surrounded by clouds. We know there's more out there, but in the day-to-day, -day, it doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. Maybe it did make a difference once, but it doesn't seem to anymore. I think that this morning God wants to remind us that there is more beyond the cloud. He wants to pull back the cloud, help us to see him in new ways, and be reminded of how we saw him in the past. And as we do so, to live more and more in the light of what we see, to be transformed by the truth beyond. So this Christmas, as we remember the unexpected nature of Christ's birth and God's plan to save the world through a human baby of the humblest birth, let's be challenged to open the box and let God out. Let's be encouraged that as we do so, as we see him more, our lives will be transformed. God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants us to know him. We were created to know him. So let's prepare ourselves for that this season. We're going to return to the passage now and think about our response to the revelation of God. This is the third point, response. As we come to know him in new and deeper ways, what is our response? And I think that the story of the shepherds has a lot to say here. So let's think back to them. They're on the hillside, minding their own business, and then an angel appears and speaks in verses 10 and 12. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The shepherds then went and found exactly this. So their response is firstly one of obedience. God reveals what he's doing through the angels, and the shepherds then go and see for themselves. When I say obedient, the angel doesn't actually tell them to go and see, but it's a pretty strong hint. It's an invitation for them to be part of his story, part of God's story, and they take their invitation, leaving their job on the hillside, and when they go and see, they find exactly what they were told by the angels. We too, like the shepherds, need to respond in obedience to what God reveals to us. God's revelation to us may not come in the form of an angelic host. It's probably much subtler. Wherever it comes from, through reading the Bible, an encouragement in a conversation from somebody else, a song lyric, literally anything, God speaks any, through anything, but our response should always be the same. We should accept his invitation to see ourselves, the world around us, other people, differently in the light of what he reveals to us. If his revelation involves a direct, active response, we should go and do it. Luke tells us that the shepherds are busy looking after their flock when the angels came. And yet Luke says they went with haste to go and find the saviour in swaddling clothes. Now, it doesn't say whether they took the flock with them or not, but to leave the flock behind would mean leaving their livelihood to thieves and wild animals. But if they took their flock with them, they also took a difficult route. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with working with sheep. I am. <laughs> but uh, I know that getting them to go where you want them to go takes skill and time 
And with all the skill in the world and the best dog, they still might not go the way you want them to go for a very long time. So with either option, the shepherds went out of their way to see what God was doing, and they didn't delay in doing so. When God reveals himself to us, we should be like the shepherds. We should be obedient, quickly putting down our current concerns. I wonder if some of us already feel that God is calling into some, us into something, but we are reluctant to put down something else, something which we need to put down before we can be obedient. The shepherds model to us radical obedience to the revelation of God. And after the shepherds have been and seen Jesus in the manger, after they've seen the fulfillment of what they were told they would see by the angels, their next response is to tell the people around them what God has revealed. For matters of time, I don't want to talk in depth about the manner in which we tell other people about what God's doing. I just want to remind us that we should be telling other people about what he's doing in us and through us. And the story as well reminds us that we shouldn't be selective. The fact that God goes to the shepherds first, the most humble in society, and we all see the kings coming to see Jesus' birth, tells us that this is news for everybody. Jesus is good news for all, and we should be telling people about that. And finally, after they've heard from the angels, they've been and seen, they've told the people, the shepherds return to their hillside, praising and glorifying God for all the things they have seen and heard, which were just as they'd been told. And worship should be our response to Revelation too. I was struck as we were singing earlier the lyrics in Blessed Be Your Name, um, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. God doesn't need to reveal himself to us. Coming to know God is a gift. It's a grace. It's a blessing. And our response should be to turn that blessing back to praise. Worship should be our response to God's revelation like it is with the shepherds. We should worship him through our obedience, through doing what we think God is telling us to do. But we should also worship him through our praise and adoration. So the shepherds provide for us a model of how we approach Christmas this year. We need to go and see for ourselves. God is revealing himself to us in fresh ways, through the story of Jesus' birth, but through many other things as well, through the time we spend with friends and family, through time spent sitting and thinking, through rest and relaxation, through worship and prayer, through seeing his creation, and through conversations with others. And as he does so, let's allow God to be out of the box, not within the parameters that we've set for him, but let's allow him to be higher and to move in exciting, unexpected ways. And as he does so, let's allow ourselves to be transformed by the knowledge of who he is and what he does. And let's respond in obedience and worship, telling others about, about the good God he is. As we move towards a time of prayer and worship, I just want to encourage you to consider where you are at eight days before Christmas. How prepared are you to celebrate the birth of the Saviour? Uh, you might know that a little while ago I got engaged. Yay! Yay! And um, Laura came up yesterday, haven't seen her in about a month, and I... I, did, I made a few preparations. I removed the mouldy carrots from the fridge, <laughs> made sure my socks were paired. Uh, I shaved something I really can't be faffed with most of the time. But I didn't do these preparations because she would think any less of me for not doing them. I did them rather because I knew that the time when she did come would be all the sweeter if I'd done those things before she got there. 
And similarly, as we come to Christmas and we think again for the arrival of Jesus, our preparations aren't for the sake of making ourselves spick and span for when he gets here. Rather, it's preparing our hearts, ourselves, so that we can enjoy him in all the more fullness when he gets here. So maybe it doesn't feel like God is moving or is close at the moment, like the clouds are obscuring your view. I invite you to come when we come for prayer and just ask God for revelation of who he is. Maybe you know that God is calling you to act in obedience. There's something that he has already revealed to you that needs a response. Once again, I invite you to come forwards. And for all of us, however we feel, God has more for us. There's more. There's always going to be more, and we need to push into it. There's more to see, more places to go. He's not finished with us yet. Maybe this Christmas you want to commit to knowing God for yourself. Maybe that's something you've not done before. And if so, then please do come forward for prayer. Talk to the person you came with. We love to pray with you and introduce you to, to the God that we worship. I just want to say one thing before I pray, that for me, God often reveals himself in new ways as we worship. So if you don't feel led to come forward and to worship, then as you worship, one of the vineyard worship values is expectancy. Worship with expectancy that God wants to come and make himself known to you, that as you approach him, he will come near to you. Let's have expectancy to meet with God as we worship. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. And I thank you that at Christmas we remember that against all of our reason and against our logic, despite all of the things that we've done wrong, that you sent Jesus down to be our saviour. Help us to be struck with wonder of that again. And God, I pray um, you help us to see you in fresh ways. Give us eyes that see beyond the box that we've put you in. pray that now you would come and you'd move powerfully amongst us. You'd come and have your way. Come and do your thing. Amen.